Welcome to the Million Sonship Live again. Here we are, one more segment, one more teaching, one more endeavoring to fully yield to his utterance on, on my behalf. And I pray that ears be opened up within all of the chambers of our spirit man and eyes be wide open to understand, to perceive, to see right, to hear right, that which I believe the Lord wants to communicate to all of us today. And as as any of you that might have followed me for a little while in terms of the teaching that the Lord lays in my heart to uh, bring forth a delivery to, you understand that I, I these messages are not just... Um, um, independent of one another. There is most definitely a leading into this message over the last many weeks, months, and now three years of dominion sonship. And, and yet you can just listen to them as standalone, but, um, they really come from the previous meditations of my heart that I've been able to, through the grace of God, communicate to you and for me to then go back and listen and to really glean as well. And so today we do have a message again that I believe he gave me and he shaped it up um, in, in, in more of a precise manner this morning. But really this has been something that this particular week I I almost, can I say, stumbled on, which I did not stumble on. I know he led me. And um, the title was Fixed Gaze in a Forward Press. Uh, the emphasis here being forward. Fixed gaze in a forward press. And it is a press. Anytime we make that forward step to follow after him, there is such great resistance. There's such great adversity, primarily from our own carnal understanding of wanting to hear a voice, wanting to see something, wanting to get a confirmation on 50 things he's already told us a hundred times. A real resistance of the nature of the carnal man against the lead of the spirit. And then you add all the adversity from without. We do have an adversary whose name is the devil. And he is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So there's a lot of false roars right now that bring forth a devourer should we heed to those voices. But the word of God says in John 10, the words of Jesus and we agree and we are partakers now of that divine nature that his word demonstrates to us, that we don't listen to a stranger. A stranger's voice will not listen to nor hear, nor heed to. We'll only follow the true shepherd, the overseer of our soul, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is truly the word of God revealed to us. And so without an abiding on a very purposeful, disciplined way in the word of God, straying is very easy in this hour. I believe at all times, because the carnal nature is always the carnal nature, and the carnal nature is always in opposition to the lead of the spirit. And so there's no news here. 
And so fixed gaze in a forward press is what we'll be talking about. I was just leafing through as, as the camera rolled on. There was a message I talked about at the beginning. The, it, it actually started this teaching on faith, and it was faith is a fixed gaze on Jesus. And I was just trying to figure out when it was, but I, I have a sense it was early fall. We just finished Resurrection Sunday. We just came out of that season of a celebration, a celebration of what he has done for us through the Good Friday, uh, the remembrance of the cross, really the communion cup, that we now commune with his body and his blood. And he's no longer dead, but he is alive. And so this communion is a living communion with the living blood, ha-ha, and the true flesh, the living bread, so that we can have a confidence in this hour that we will solely follow the good shepherd who is leading the way forward and upward. So let's go to Hebrews 12, and I have some verses dotted down, and, and I'm trusting again the Lord for his perfect, perfect lead to shape up this message and communicate the truth of his word. So, of course, as we have mentioned this before, Hebrews 12 is after Hebrews 11, which is the chapter of faith. And so Hebrews 12 really gives us an overview of, of that which was communicated to us in Hebrews 11 that brings it down to us now, the heroes of faith, the just of God, the righteous ones found in Christ that are walking by faith, that now we are, according to Paul, according to the word of God, according to the spirit of truth, are more than conquerors, heroes in the spirit. So when you read Hebrews 11, you are reading, you are reading a dictate a communication of what manner of life we are to live here now on earth that's fully pleasing to God, the life of faith. And the life of faith is what it looks like here in Hebrews 12 is where it starts, that it is a, a race, a race that is surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. That there is a supernatural cheering to this walk of faith. That we're not solos. We are, of course, part of the body of Christ. And many have gone before us and are there where we, we, where we will be found. Should Jesus tarry and we go by the way of the cross or should we are still right here on, on earth and hear the trumpet sound? We go by the rapture. But we know we already are in those places that are there here now. The heavenly places of the revelation of the love of God. To know, to know, to know, and to believe that we are his children. That we are now part of this glorious body and that we are running this race of faith before a great cloud of witnesses that is for us. We know ultimately God is for us. And if he be for us, who can be against us? So fix gaze in a forward press. Let's read verse 1, chapter 12. 
Therefore, we also, just as those heroes of faith, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside, let us lay aside every weight. And this is the, the, one, the, the one moment that we cannot let go of. To run this forward press of a race, it is a true laying aside of everything that hinders us. Every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance. With endurance. This is not a casual navigation of a little jog in the park. This is a press that is highly contended, but you have overcome them all because you are of God. And so the reality, the reality of who you are, a Christian, a one that is born of God, that bears the Christ nature, is really how you run forward. Let us run with endurance, with endurance. We run with endurance. We run with endurance. The race that is set before us. How? How do we do this? How do we forsake every weight? How do we run with endurance? How do we avoid the sin that so easily ensnares? Looking unto Jesus. A fixed gaze, some translations read of that verse 3. Looking unto Jesus. You might have heard me say this over and over before. In most of my teaching, I talk about it. Why? Because this is the manner of life I endeavor to live. To look upon him alone. To see the one that's high and lifted up. And as I see him, I come into the reality that I do with him am high and lifted up. And last week we talked about being born from on high. Being born from on high in the message, he is risen just as he said. Looking unto Jesus, the author, the author and the finisher of our faith. The perfecter, the pioneer and perfecter, the starter, upper, and the finisher. All in all is in him. And we found now in that all in all in him. And as he run, we too run. As he pressed through the crowd, we too pressed through the crowd. As the enemy had nothing on him, we too in him. The enemy has nothing on us. How? Because we have made the choice to lay aside every weight that hinders. And so when you look at a particular hindrance this, uh, this week, this Sunday, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, joy set before him. When you behold the living one, you're beholding joy. When you behold the living Christ, you're beholding joy. For the joy that was set before you and I. How? By looking unto him, we're looking unto joy. Ah, we're looking unto joy. And in his, in his joy, we are filled with joy. The joy that he beheld, the reward of the firstborn. 
The reward of the Father. The reward of the one that he was found obedient to. Brought him joy to fulfill the call of God, the assignment upon his life. For he came for this very matter to destroy the works of the devil, to loose us into a brand new birth. So we can run as he run above the fray, walk above every circumstance, not look back, but press on because there is a great cloud of witnesses that is cheering us on. For the joy that was set before him enduring the cross, and this is what makes us overcome, endure the cross. What does it look like for you and I to endure the cross? It is to forsake every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, that is so common to man, that is so part of this carnal nature, that should we yield to it, it will lead us into destruction. On a daily basis, moment by moment by moment, we are, like Colossians 3 says, to set our mind above where he is. For the joy that was set before us, we too endure the opposition. We too endure the mockings. We too endure the persecutions. We too endure and overcome every naysayer in the spirit. Ha! Who are you? You're the champion of God in Christ. Because you have set your gaze on the one who's gone before you, the forerunner of this faith divine. Because you have made the choice, as Paul did, to be found in this forward press, to attain, to attain, to lay hold and not let go of that for which he's called you, to be on earth, a lighthouse set up on a hill, For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. We know what the word says. Those that believe on him shall not be put to shame. 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 And sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Philippians 3. Ten. This is what leads to Paul saying that we are now citizens of heaven. Our citizenship is not here on earth. And right before that are the verses starting from 10 onward that I want to read. That I may know him, his earnest desire, that through this righteousness, which is from God by faith, we have an opportunity to know him. 
because we're now found where he is behind the veil. Because now we have been granted access into the very presence of God so we can know him because we'll never be put to shame. We as children of the most high God are not to know condemnation. We as children of the most high God have a mandate because of his very love for us to know him. According to knowledge, according to his word, knowledge, which is revelation knowledge, epinosis, to be now a participant, a becomer of the word of God, a doer of the word James talks about. And in this becoming transformation that Paul talks about to the Romans, from glory to glory in 1 Corinthians as well, but this transformation, this mind renewal, it is as we are beholding him, Colossians 3 says. As we are beholding him, we are becoming we are being conformed to the image of the firstborn. We're being conformed to this brand new creation nature that we really now have. And so this is the mandate. This is the ultimate call to know our heavenly father and be a life giver to the world because we know who he is. Life. There's no death in him. There's no rejection in him. There's no condemnation. There's no shame in him. But there is living hope. So we can move beyond the disappointment. So we can move beyond the heartache. So we can move beyond this outer experience that is constantly bombarded by an adversity. But we are to be of good cheer. Why? Because we're beholding joy, the one that overcame all. Letting go of those snares. Letting go of those memories. Letting go. For we know him alone. One thing Paul's going to say. Let's, let's keep reading. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. This brand new resurrected life that we have in him. And the fellowship of his sufferings. This is the cross that we're to carry daily. No longer I, the old man, but I am now a brand new creation. And to the outer man, it is a crucifixion, but to the new man, it's resurrection life. It is a quickening of my mortal body. To do the bidding of my master, to be found in this forward press, to be found in this ability to gaze upon him alone. being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but can I add here what Hebrews write? I'm not already perfected, but I'm going to behold the perfected one, the perfecter of my faith. So as I'm beholding him, I am 
I'm being perfected. I'm being conformed to the image of perfection, the Christ nature, the Christ man within me, the hope of glory, that love of God that does not ever disappoint, the living hope. And what, what, what a press it is. What a press it is to behold him. But when we behold him, ha-ha, we're running a race. Glory be to God. We are running a race. No matter the pace you're keeping, keep running. No matter the pace you're keeping, God, God is pleased by this race of faith. It's not about the pace. It is a forward momentum that God is about. The pace will come with the training of faith. The pace will come with this endurance that we're being, oh, that we're being daily worked on, trained by, mastered by endurance. Endurance. It's a race of endurance. Not I've already attained or already perfected, but I press on. I press on. And we know that's pressing on forward. So often we catch ourselves pressing backwards. Lingering in the old moments. At that moment, we're caught in a snare. At that moment, we're caught in that which so easily ensnares. That I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to apprehend, but one thing, this is one thing I do. Forgetting those things which are behind. You know who's behind? Satan is behind. Where did Jesus put Satan? Get thee behind me, Satan. It's the very same word. Why would you want to look behind? Jesus speaks through Luke. Remember Lot's wife. Why would you want to look behind? When our hands are to be on the plow. And plow with the master. Forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forward. Reaching forward. This is what the press of faith is. This is what faith is for. It is a pressing. A reaching forward to those things which are ahead. <laughs> which are ahead. What is ahead? Glory. What is ahead, wonder? What is ahead, beauty? What is ahead, my master? Who do you follow? Who is ahead of you that you're following? Your master. You call him beautiful, right? Lovely, you call him. So what's ahead is lovely. What's ahead is beautiful. As you're beholding him, you're beholding his beauty. You're beholding the perfecter of your faith. You're beholding God himself. And that's why 
Faith pleases him because faith is his reaching, reaching, reaching for that which is ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I can read these verses every single day, every single day and be strengthened by them, every single day and be strengthened by them. Every single day and be strengthened to run an endurance race. I press toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We are called in an endurance race. We are called to not give up. We are called to be a marvel to the world. To be up, 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 and up, and up, and up. Let's go to Matthew 16. Matthew 16, 23. But for the context, let's see. We do 21. And we all are very familiar with this portion of scripture. From that time, Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. You know, so often I just see something I have to pause and, 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 and share. So often, so here we hear, we, we, we hear, you know, Jesus is speaking to, to, to his disciples about the purpose of his life. To be killed and to be raised again. Depending on, on how you're trained, and can I say how you've allowed the Holy Spirit to train you? To the degree of the training of the Spirit, you only hear good. But if you have resisted the training of the Holy Spirit, how? By refusing to renew your mind. You'll hear the negative moment of one's life or your own moment. And so Peter here, little sweetheart Peter, yeah, the one who earlier through the training of the Spirit heard revelation and called Jesus. Who did he call him? Simon Peter in verse 16 answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So here we have in verse 22, that same Peter, hearing something that triggers his flesh. The bad moment of just saying, I must be killed. No! Failing to hear that death has to happen before resurrection. And through the resurrection of this glorious Son of God, we were brought into newness of life. But as we went last week and looked at Peter's writing, he got it. He got it because he penned 1 Peter 1, 3. That through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have been brought into this living hope. 
into this new birth divine. But here, through carnal hearing, and, and Jesus would clarify it, hearing that is based on man, hearing that is so, so tradition-mindedness, so, so, so earthly, so earthly, came against the word of God. Peter took him aside in a quiet little moment. I'm going to deal with Jesus. I'm not going to embarrass Jesus publicly aside. Oh, how foolish we can be in the old man. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. Which part are you talking about, Peter? Obviously not referring to the resurrection, because that's glorious news. That he'll never die, the master. The one that healed the lepers. The one that opened the blind eyes. The one that we looked at last week just before his, his moment in the Garden of Gethsemane, the crucifixion, the hour for which he came, before his resurrection. We have the example in the book of John of John 11. The raising of Lazarus. Jesus, the one that raised the dead. What say you, Peter? Which part of him do you not believe? And so this goes to us. Which part of him do we not believe? How he focused on the sufferings of the cross and said, no, no, that's too hurtful. No, I can't handle that. Or how we focus on this resurrection life that Paul was wanting to attain to. Because then we'll be found in that forward press. Otherwise, we'll go back. We'll go back. It'll be too hard to understand. So Peter said, far be it from you, Lord, it shall not happen to you. What, what does Jesus say? Was he moved? He is not moved. I love, I love the word of God. When I am moved, I go to the stability of my life that is never moved. The word of God. He turned and said to Peter, said to Peter, and yet addressing Satan. Get behind me, Satan. Get behind me, Satan. The master said to Satan, get behind me, Satan. So what is ahead of you? The reach that you are to reach by faith is glory. But what's behind you is misery. The roamings of a devouring lion. Shredded pieces of disappointments. Why look there? Jesus is not there. He's not there. He's among the living. He's in a forward momentum. We're to follow him. And then this, we've spoken of this before. You are an offense to me, for you're not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of man. 
So being mindful of the things of man is what brings about an offense to Jesus. What say you? You mean we can offend him? Yeah. Mm. Mm. You're an offense to me. For you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. What? Uh-huh. You want to read that again? You're an offense to me, for you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of man. Let's look at the Greek words here. It belongs Matthew 16, 23. But Jesus turned and said to Peter. I love it. Turned and said to Peter. Yeah, that's, that's a neat look up anyway. I'm not going to pause there. Turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. That word behind me is back, backwards, get backwards behind. It is the Greek 3694. 3694 is the very same word that Paul used in, in um, Philippians 3.13 that we read about. What was that in Philippians 3 that we just read? 3.13. That's why we don't go backwards. That's why we, 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 we don't look back. We remember Lot's wife. It did not go well for her. Paralyzed her. Stuck in a moment. Salty. Yet we are to be a living light. Philippians 3.13 read, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind. See, when you forget that which is behind, you let go of being mindful of man as well. And how you become mindful of God is right here, the continuance of that verse. Reaching forward to those things which are ahead. That word behind is 3694. Is actually also, let's, uh, if you keep you, your fingers in Matthew 16, let's go to um, Luke, Luke 9. Same word is used by Jesus here. Behind. Luke 9. 62. I just mentioned just a little earlier. It's the cost of discipleship. <laughs> Someone going to Jesus, verse 61, saying, Lord, I'll follow you. I'll follow you, Jesus. I'm going to follow you. All, I'm going to follow you. I love you. I love you. I'm going to follow you. But let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back, looking behind, is fit for the kingdom of God. Looking back is offensive to God. How often? I speak to myself as well. I catch myself. 
in those places. And always I, I, I jerk myself from there. Remember Lot's wife, Desi. To be fit for the kingdom of God is to only go forward, be mindful of the things of God. Otherwise, we're an offense. Look at this word offense. We often think about us not being offended. Could it be we're an offense to him? That's pushing us away because we've departed from truth, from the very love of God, became mindful of, of the distress of man towards us. Who cares? Who cares? Oh. Can't fix that situation. You keep walking in the love of God. And do your best to be at peace with all. But you give an account to him alone. And you honor him above all by not looking back. Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block. You're a stumbling block, and that word is, we've heard it, scandalon. Offense, a stick for bait. Generally a snare, a snare. Generally a snare. What do we read Hebrews say about that so easily ensnares us, the sin that so easily ensnares us. Looking back is a snare. Stick for bait, a trap, generally a snare, a stumbling block, an offense. Cause for error. This word, 4625, scandal on, properly, the trigger of a trap. We are that to Jesus. This is the context. I, mean, I know there's a lot of other places where it's been used as well in, in the word of God. I'm looking at this particular moment. Regarding running with a fixed gaze on the one that's gone before us in this forward press and the number one stumble is this hold back. The hold back of looking back, going behind, being mindful of men and not the things of God. If God has moved on from there in terms of I'm in a new moment, I have moved on from there. I'm in a new moment. I go from glory to glory. Why behold an old moment of an old glory? I go from glory to glory. I'm in a new glory moment. Of revelation knowledge, I, I to them to know a little better of him than of that I did last week, to know him, to know him. So with what I knew back then, I did the best I could, believing I was led, and yet looking back, oh, flesh led me too. But here now, I'm in a new moment, still following my good shepherd. I don't want to be a snare to him. Uh, an offense to him. The trigger of a trap, the mechanism closing a trap down on the unsuspected victim. Unsuspected victim. The snare that so easily ensnares us. Oh, no one knows what I'm thinking about. No one sees. 
It's okay. Just five minutes, five days, five years before you're stuck in it. You're stuck in it. Bitter, bitter, bitter. Hurt, hurt, hurt. And the worst of it, unforgiveness, is where that seed of bitterness grows in. An offense, putting a negative cause and effect relationship into motion. <laughs> putting a negative cause and effect relationship into motion. It's where Peter departed from him. Thank God he repented. But this carnal understanding, being mindful of the things of man, is a real problem. It's a real problem. It's not a minor issue. It's the only place, the only time, that the words of Jesus state are a snare, or sorry, an offense to him. Means of stumbling stresses the method, the means of the entrapment. That is how someone is caught by their own devices, like their personal bias, carnal thinking, exactly as Peter. Because Jesus clarifies you're mindful of the things of man and not of God. Hmm. Further down it says, um, it's the bait stick of a trap, a snare, stumbling block. The stick in the trap that springs and closes the trap when the animal touches it. And so we see it here, the importance of keeping your hands on the plow. To be fit for the kingdom of God. Let's go to John 66, another moment here. of looking behind, going behind, being mindful of the things of man and not of God. Because we think we know it all. We can quote a lot of the New Testament verses. This is, this is, I mean, the context of the combination of this chapter is pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. After him speaking to them that he is the living bread. That he has come to do the works of his father. That the one that eats of him will never die. That his body is true food. And his blood is true drink. And that moment, they lost him. What do you mean? What do you mean? True drink. True food. In verse 58 of John 6, Jesus says, This is the bread which comes down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and the dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? Carnal thinking that's about to put them in a snare situation. That will take them backwards. 
away from the master. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained, complaining is one way you go backwards. I remember how it was. It doesn't match. I, I, complaining. About this, he said to them, does this offend you? The same word. Does it offend you? Is this an offense to you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. And so if we are mindful of the things of God, we'll be receiving of this life of his words. We'll be receiving of the Spirit. To adhere to his teaching. But there are some of you who do not believe. Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. Verse 66. From that time, from that time, many of his disciples went back the same word behind. They went backwards. Can I say they were devoured? And walked with him no more. See, you can't be back over there. Like Lot's wife, looking, looking with a longing gaze. How it was. And be with Jesus at the same time. Cannot be. From that moment. From many from that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And he turned to his twelve and says, uh, Do you also want to go away? Simon Peter answered, There we go. You have the words of eternal life. He perceived the words of the Spirit. Also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Let's go to Philippians, back to Philippians 3. Actually, no, I spent quite a bit. Let's go to Hebrews. I'm going to finish with Hebrews, sorry. Let's do Hebrews. I've spoken on, on uh, Philippians required, but let's let's put our eyes in Hebrews chapter eleven. Fix gaze in the forward press. The heroes of faith walk that way. How about Abraham? Eleven eight. How about Abraham? Well, how about Noah? How about Noah? He broke the mold. Of what the reality of of that generation was. With wickedness in their imagination. Knowing a hardened way away from God. And yet Noah made a choice to go with God. And to obey God where it was not reasonable. Noah was not mindful of the things of man, but of things of God. But Noah, verse 7, by faith, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved 
moved with godly fear, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household. Stayed with God. He stayed with God. In the midst of all the mockings, but which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go where? Forward, away from that which was familiar. To go out to a place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he's going, but following the lead. Like the Israelites had to follow the cloud, not knowing where they're going. How long they will camp in that spot? Whether a day or a year. Following the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. Not looking back to Egypt. And... Uh, he, he went not knowing where he was going, Abraham, by faith. He dwelt in the land of promise. That's how you do it. You dwell in this land of promise. You abide in the word of God so you can bear fruit for the kingdom. Dwelling in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he what waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. From afar off they saw the promise, the word of God says in verse 13. And they were assured, let's verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promise, but having seen them afar off were assured of them, embraced them, embraced the promises. By faith they embraced. Not because they, their natural mind told them to. Their natural mind, the word of God here was, if they, if they had gone with their natural mind, they would have gone back. Having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. We are, Peter says, we are pilgrims. We are pilgrims. We're sojourners. Keep pressing. Keep going. Don't stop now. Don't stop now. It's the last lap. It's the last lap. Actually, I was in a, in a workout class the other day, and it really blessed me. The instructor, we're coming into the final stretch. And he said, let's add, what did you say? Lent to your strength. Let's add some lent to your strength. You see, this endurance is for the long haul. The long haul. We in the last hour. The last lap, can we say? We're going all the way. We're going all the way. Just as Paul did. Keeping the faith. We'll finish our race. Verse 14, back Hebrews 11. For those who say such things, as that they're pilgrims on the earth, declare plainly that they seek a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind, if they were earthly minded, 
if they did not set their minds above where he is, if they had called to mind the country from which they had come out back there, look behind, they would have had an opportunity to return, to go back, to depart the promises. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared a city for them. One last Moses. Moses, verse 24. What are we talking about? Fixed gaze in a forward press. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused, refused the snare of an old reality that was familiar, that brought him this far, that fed him and clothed him, and would have bound him in Egypt in a system that's opposed to God's system of the kingdom of God. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God to endure the sufferings of Christ than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin that so easily ensnares us can I had. Esteeming, look at this, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he looked, he looked where? To the reward, to the author and the finisher, to the perfecter, to the one, to the one that made him to be a beautiful child, to the one that brought for favor. So he'd be saved by Pharaoh's daughter. To honor God above all. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the rich, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt. Let the past be past. By faith forsake that. How? Come back to the reality of the Word of God. Looking unto Jesus. Not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured a seeing him who is invisible. How do you make it through your moment? How do you endure? How do you add this length to your strength? How do you go all the way? By seeing him who is invisible. By seeing the one that loves you. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood. The Passover blood. The Passover lamb. He partook of the Passover lamb. The sprinkling of blood for the remission of sin. With John 6, the words of Jesus says, He is that one, the living bread. That his flesh is food indeed, and his blood is drink indeed. By faith we partake of the living one. 
By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians attempting to do so were drowned. And so today we don't attempt to do anything. We do it. We don't attempt to be a Christian. We are Christians. We don't attempt to believe the, God, the word of God. We do believe the word of God. We don't try it out for a little season, see if it works. It does work. It's working you. It's working out endurance in you for us, you and I, to have a fixed gaze on Jesus and to run this forward race of faith, this forward press of faith. And I think we're done. We're done for today.